It's here, the first Ghostbusters interdimensional cross-rip t-shirt, featuring front art by Dapper Dan Shonen. Wear your support for the podcast with pride. Proceeds from sales will go to keeping the lights on and not to putting beer in our stomachs. Men's and women's styles are available. Visit GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to buy yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, fellow conductors of the Metaphysical Examination, and welcome to the Crossword for the week of February 12th, 2018. Happy Valentine's Day week, everybody. This week on the show, we have an excellent show for you. We're going to talk about A Feudal and Stupid Gesture, the movie that's on Netflix about the National Lampoon Formation. Very excellent. Can't recommend it enough. We're going to talk about Ghostbusters Answer the Call number 3 from IDW Comics. We're also going to talk about goofs of Ghostbusters. Errors, things that were wrong, or were they? Toys.net presents the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. I think these people are completely nuts. Woo! Oh, this is where I put you. Sounds like candy? What is that? No, I went to a toy store. Ah. Yeah, Granville Island Toy Company. I remember this. Okay, okay. Blind bag of some sort? No. It was a box called Kixels. Hmm. Q-I-X-E-L-S. And basically, it's somebody marketing the... Uh, what are they called? It's that thing everybody does. It's it, people they do pixel art using those bead things, like IKEA sells. Oh, yeah, art store yeah, sell. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it ends up looking like the pixel sprites or whatever, based on those little squares you put together. Yeah. 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 Although they're all they're all circular. These ones they actually made them square. They made them so that you don't have to melt them together. They adhere with a water spray. Oh, that's interesting. So you don't have to put the iron over top of them with that Yeah, none of that. Business. Yeah. It's, it's like it's aimed at opening it up to kids a lot more. But it was on sale, and it's a glow-in-the-dark zombie kit. <laughs> that's cool. That I got. And I got it specifically because I'm going to do the uh, Super... No, not the Super. Oh, God. The, I'm going to do the Nintendo's Atari thing. Um... <laughs> Getting old, getting into the systems to the park. The uh, Game Boy. The, oh. the, the Ghostbusters, I guess Ghostbusters 2, the cute little... Yeah. You're going to do a bit. whole screen or just like one of the little characters? Or? No, I don't have enough for a whole screen. Oh, okay. I'm going to start with Slimer because it's got the glow-in-the-dark bits, right? I can yeah. make a glow-in-the-dark green Slimer. And then they actually do have some sort of crazy zombie-killing human. So if there's enough for there, I should be able to do... At least one Ghostbuster, I think. Nice. That's uh, that seems like a fun challenge, like to just put together those eight-bit characters using yeah, whatever those beads are, whatever those. There's somebody on Twitter. I can't remember who. My apologies if they're a listener, because uh, I wasn't. Oh, neat. This one actually comes with. You can make. Uh... Now, what is that? Sorry, I thought it was a necklace, but it's not. I don't know what hmm. it is. I have no idea. Anyways, uh, somebody was making um, the No Ghost logo. But at 
16, maybe 32-bit resolution, if that okay. makes any sense. Yeah. So it's quite sizable. They had to actually do it on the plate in four different parts. Oh, uh, and then put, uh, oh. glue it all together or whatever. Well, this is really handy. So they got this great little plate with the holes in it, but it comes with not one, but two... Oh, and they're double-sided. Um, guides. Little paper guides that you stick over them. It's got holes put to it, but it's color Like a so you know stencil what or a pattern yeah. or whatever? That's cool. Pattern's a good way to put it. Yeah. You know, that completely common word that's been used for hundreds of years to mean exactly what we're talking Hippopotamus. about. Hippopotamus. Hypochondriac. Hippocampus. Uh, Hypothalamus. Uh, w- well done you for putting the, uh, <laughs> the, the that little bit of Elmer Bernstein in the back of... Uh, <laughs> Our transition last last week. <laughs> you you set it up. I, I I'm listening in the car and I'm like laughing my, my butt off. I was like, <laughs> I don't match up at all, but this is hilarious. Yeah, it was. It didn't really sync, but that's okay. I tried. Uh, yeah, last uh, week's episode was fun, and we got I mean pretty good response too. Like uh, David yeah. Houghton himself uh, reached out to, or did you reach out? Did you contact him first and alert no, him? No, he, he he. Well, because I had I had posted about it on Twitter that. You know, here's his article. It's great. And then later on, I was like, uh, "Yeah, listen to this week's episode because you know we we talk about it." And you have and to read the article. article. Well, you don't have to, but you should read the article before. You should, yeah. yeah. And anyways, he was he was um, added or you know referenced in the the tweet, and of course, so he saw it and he went and listened to it. And then, yeah, he messaged me saying that he really really dug it. So, oh, how funny! Yeah, that's uh, yeah. It seemed seemed like he was pretty positive about. Uh, our additions to his uh, theor- uh, theoretical uh, concept. If you if you haven't listened to last week's episode, we're talking about the Ghostbusters 2 uh, theory that uh, David Houghton wrote an article saying that everybody in Ghostbusters 2 is dead, and that makes the movie make a whole lot more sense. And we we chatted about that and expanded upon it, and it was a lot of fun, and people seemed to enjoy it too. So I think we're going to do a lot of that. We're, we've actually got on the schedule here, we're going to do a little bit more uh, with some Ghostbusters goofs, which should be some... Uh, some interesting yeah. discussion as well. We're going to try to pepper that throughout the the podcast from this point forward. We're uh, yeah, it's not a muscle we flex too much because since we started this, news was on the ramp up. Yeah, right? the new movies were coming and all that. So, although we've touched on it here and there, you and I have never often stopped and tried to do any real uh, fanboy navel gazing <laughs> at our <laughs> favorite true. movie. There's really either true. we take you know we take it for granted. And, that, uh, you know, when we get into today's stuff, I realized, yeah, there's a lot of stuff we take for granted. There's also a lot of stuff that we take for granted everybody knows about, but actually isn't well known because it's not cataloged in this thing we're looking at here today. Like, something else I, I wanted to bring up, but we, we can get into that. Okay, we'll get into that. Yeah, we've got, uh, as you mentioned, you know, news is still on the lighter side. Uh, we are sort of in the dog days of not summer, the dog days of the beginning of the year while things are ramping up. So everybody's... They've reevaluated after their their Q4 evaluations, where they've s- sat down with all the numbers and figured everything out, and we'll we'll start seeing announcements and stuff that we can report on probably in the next couple of months here. But you know, in the meantime, we do have some cool stuff we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about Ghostbusters Answer the Call number three, uh, which we will uh, delve into spoiler territory. So I'll make sure to to call out to that. So if you guys are sensitive to spoilers if you haven't read the uh, issue and you want to listen to that later we'll tell you when to put pencils down and come back but uh we're going to talk about that we've got a few news items and then uh, yeah as chris alluded to we've got some fun discussion about ghostbusters goofs coming up so um 
let's uh let's well you know what before we launch into it though chris i saw on social media that you busted open some uh, playmobil toys am i mistaken was that yeah. you that was you right that uh you had extra parts or something what happened oh no it's just um uh we've had the the sets for a while now um they were given to thomas for his birthday and we just had never really busted them over he uh <laughs> he he got a couple other birthday presents that really kind of uh took his fancy so i wasn't <laughs> okay. gonna force the point sure particularly since even now everybody's like you got it for yourself didn't you and i'm like yes i'm i'm that much of a ghostbusters fan that i'm letting a five-year-old tear this box apart <laughs> you know into small pieces <laughs> That's exactly what we love to do. Yeah, I did it for myself. Um, so we kind of put them aside, and he kind of would open up one here and there, like the Slimer hot dog cart and yeah. things like that. But, but you know, the fire hall and the car were, you know, obviously the car less than the fire hall, but uh, uh, a little daunting. There's a There was a little bit of, uh, of, of well, the fire hall. Something like two hundred and eighty yeah, like pieces or something. Some like assembly that. required is an understatement from what I hear about the firehouse, and and a little bit of yeah. uh, f- forcing. Apparently, the stairs are really hard to get in, is what everybody keeps saying. Oh but, my yeah. gosh, are they ever? Yeah, you think that's hard, kids? <laughs> Wait until. Speaking of leftover pieces, they put in an extra uh, step. No, and I just blithely kept snapping them together and then I went to go put the step in place and I'm like why is it too high getting that thing off like if you thought getting them in was hard oh, holy no. crap peeling one off was a nightmare <laughs> but um, but that's what it was you know it's it's you know it's winter and in, in you know the the whatever they call it the deciduous rainforest here of <laughs> the rainy Pacific Northwest uh, yeah. yeah we're technically a rainforest where I am in Port Moody it's a, it's technically a rainforest I mean, that makes sense I, I'm not yeah. I'm not mad at it I, I love it up there just a, just a cold one <laughs> Hollywood is foolish into thinking rainforests are warm that's a lie <laughs> that's sort of like when you find out that the uh, Antarctic uh, there's a big chunk of it there that's technically a desert because there's been no snow or rain there in like decades just completely desolate <laughs> yeah it's cold enough that whatever snow was there is just not going anywhere but nothing <laughs> there's no new snow there's no new rain there's no nothing so they go well it's te- technically it's technically a desert and a whole generation of school kid goes that's bullcrap <laughs> anyways we're technically in a rainforest so you know little guys bouncing off the walls and i was like oh god why do we go hey wait a minute we have a giant toy here let's put it together yeah um but yeah, that's when I found out that Playmobil uh, errs on the side of caution when it puts its stuff together. It would rather you end up with, it, it's taken the Ikea route of here, you can have a couple extra small pieces just in case. Mm, um, that's awfully kind of them, but also a little malicious because then you're like, well, why do I have these extra pieces? What did I do wrong? Well, well, no, I, I mean, you can, you, their instructions are actually pretty good, except for I will complain. Take notes, Playmobil. Hello. <laughs> Write this down. Um, I'm going through the booklet, and they're like, and then this piece goes here. And I'm like, that is super tiny. Like, I understand where you're trying to put it, but like for the fire hall. And they're like, and this little, and it's like, you know, a, a, a quarter of an inch in size or something like that. And this thing goes here. And I'm like, that's essentially a little gray blob because they have to put the whole firehouse in and show you where it goes. And I'm like, 
I don't. Is that this little tiny green piece of plastic or this little tiny green piece? I don't know. But uh, instructions are fairly straightforward. Uh, actually, Playmobil is really logical, anyways. Like, it's not that hard to work out a lot of it. So it's you know I can see why it's so popular uh, for so long as it. I can see why it it persists into the Lego versus you know, uh, action figure era. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like it, yeah. it, it, it hits this nice spot in between that, you know, it's, it's dollhouse for everybody, you know, it is, uh, not the classic dollhouse, but it is, it's the, mo- it's the postmodern dollhouse. I like it. <laughs> uh, I see that so, yeah, in the box. I see that in the box art already. Yeah. Post- <laughs> postmodern. So, yeah. Dollhouse. That's what we did. We put, we, we put the car together, uh, Saturday and the fire hall on uh, Sunday. Nice. And that Ecto is, the best like f- money can buy like really it's just amazing oh my god everybody speaks so highly of that ecto and I, i've got one i bought one on amazon and and then it immediately went into storage in the box uh and i'm just <sighs> chomping at the bit i want to pull that uh, same it's, thing i was like i'm yeah. buying this for the future it's going to be for my daughter but um it's also kind of sort of for me so i also noticed i think they secretly this is a complete conspiracy theory this is not a real this is not a, i'm not putting any weight behind this whatsoever <laughs> i think playmobil uh put a little a little extra in there for uh janine and egon shippers oh did they really G- for gigon gigon anine i don't oh know what you God. call them, G- but, uh, that sounds very strange let's never say that again <laughs> because if you go through all the sets like if you take all of that first wave playmobil ghostbuster sets you end up with an extra egon because he's in his um his science Egon duds mm-hmm. at the fire hall and there's an extra Janine with the Ecto. She's in, she's in her Ghostbusters outfit, which means if you get the fire hall, there is a, a civilian clothes, Egon and uh, Janine extra compared uh. to the other kits, which give you uh, all four of the busters in uniform and a Janine in uniform. Hmm. For the postmodern dollhouse, way, you can, <laughs> you can right. enjoy the domestic adventures of, Plain closed Egon and plain closed Janine. Well, it's <laughs> like I said, there's no weight behind this whatsoever. But I like to pretend <laughs> that's well thought out because yeah. if you're a Playmobil kid, not just a Ghostbusters fan, not just a middle aged Ghostbusters fan <laughs> that's picked up the toys, um, yeah, you've got Playmobil homes and, you know, and cars and all that. Why can't Janine and Egon go off? Alternate universe Janine and Egon can go off and have their. Um, have their adventures. The not dead Janine and Egon can go off and have their <laughs> their adventures together. I love it. I love it. Well, I look forward to seeing what adventures Thomas comes up with uh, with everything put together. And uh, you'll Most, have to... mostly, it's playing the lights and the sound. Yeah, I was going to say it's probably just whatever the sound is over and over and over and over and over and over. Can't say I hate it though. No, it's at least it's something that you love. It's it's mm. on that highly attuned frequency that you're like, oh, that's fine. I, I don't mind hearing that over and over. I'm okay obviously, with that. yeah. Um, all right, well, uh, let's, uh, let's delve into the, the meat of the order, so to speak here, because the, uh, a couple of news items and then, uh, some discussion points. So, uh, yeah, let's do it. Here we go. Hey guys, Peter, I have some news from the world of Gozer. I got some pretty cool stuff cooking up over here if you want to turn your head. Multiplanar curly and emanation. Yeah, well, here's your next month's cover of GQ. Check out the aura on this sucker. So yes, as I alluded to, it is a another slow news week for the most part, uh, but there are a few fun things that we'll talk about here. Um, first, out of the gate, 
something that really tickled me, and I'm sure you were really amused by it too, Chris. Uh, the Dallas Fort Worth crew uh, popping up on the <laughs> nightly news. Uh, here in LA, it's commonplace. We see the car chases all the time, and usually that's when you turn to the other channel, watch some Frasier reruns. Uh, and you know, whatever it's a car chase, this one in particular in the Dallas Fort Worth area was special because the, uh, DFW Ghostbusters Ectomobile was right in the middle of the car chase. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> now to clarify, not a part of the car chase. Now the cops were not chasing the Ghostbusters, uh, or, nor were they chasing <laughs> after the criminals, but, uh, on a, a night freeway in Dallas, uh, they, uh, they seem to be in the the far right lane when uh, the cops were in pursuit yeah. of a, a possible suspect of a robbery, and uh, the internet was a buzz about it, and and rightfully so. It's a it's a pretty funny image. Uh, try try and imagine that. I mean, lottery ticket numbers for a car chase <laughs> on TV to go past an on ramp at exactly the moment that an ectomobile is yes, merging exactly. into merging into the freeway like the this is this is if you if you are playing the powerball this is getting all of the numbers except <laughs> for the powerball and then if if you know if you were here in los angeles and and sean bishop was in his ectomobile and the uh delorean time machine was right behind him because i know that they do a convoy from time to time when they go to events uh that would make it even better that would be the powerball if the police speed passed both the ectomobile and, and yeah. a DeLorean, but, uh, but very awesome, very funny. Uh, it became viral, obviously, f- for, yes. for good reason. And I know the Dallas-Fort Worth guys, their, uh, their Twitter mentions were blowing up, and they, they had a lot of fun. Even the Ghostbusters main, the primary account, uh, was uh, tweeting at the Dallas-Fort Worth police because of it. So uh, just yeah. a, a funny news item. Not, not much that we can talk about there, but... No, one, well, the fans, the fans went nuts for it, and the police, the various police accounts oh yeah that's I mean, for it pretty pretty quick too police, they thought fire was, yeah. uh of course all of the the nightly news uh people were having a lot of fun with it too so i would like to point out that um that this came on the heels of a week that was pretty busy with spottings too like twitter wise and social media wise mostly twitter because twitter's more immediate sure yeah the number of times or Conversely, people post to Instagram and it moves over to Twitter. So I tend to, you know, catch these things. There was three or four different sightings around around the states of people on their ectos on the roads, and people and people are delighted, right? Like, yeah, and, and even like ectos that I've never seen. I think you posted one that we were like, "Who is that? Who?" It was like an ecto one a <laughs> sort of, and we couldn't. I don't know whose that was, but it was spotted out on the road uh, this past week as well. Yeah, well, to be fair, I don't keep track of them, so I have to ask that f- almost every single time I see an ecto, <laughs> a picture of an ecto. I'm like, who, whose is this? Planet Ghostbusters hand. needs an ectomobile database where everybody <laughs> can oh. submit their ectos, uh, like the DMV oh. or something, where we have all of the ectos in one place. Better than that, it needs one of those little uh, WhisperNet uh, GPS tracker tags, and, <laughs> and then on the map... <laughs> the map you can just see these little little ecto drive around <laughs> oh man planet ghostbusters has got skmods skmods <laughs> skmods oh there's got to be a ghostbusters equivalent of skmods we'll, we'll come back to that but um so yeah so uh tons of ectos sighted i saw felicia day was on the sony lot and she took a photo with the uh, ectomobile that was the most recent one uh 
But, um, but yeah, but going back to our Dallas Fort Worth friends, um, just to, to give them a shout out while we're talking about them, because they uh, particularly had a, a rough go the last uh, month or so. So uh, yeah. I, I do want to give them a plug because they teamed up with Proton Pins and they've put together a really awesome lapel pin for $10 that you can buy. That's their logo. Um, and they're raising funds. Uh, they haven't announced where the funds are going to be going, but uh, probably toward a, a charity of their choice would be my guess. But um, go go check that out. I mean, especially if you've been uh, recirculating that image of their Ectomobile out there on the streets in the middle of the car chase. Uh, it, definitely worth going and picking up a pin for your collection. Uh, and you yeah. can get that at dfwghostbusters.com slash merch. dfwghostbusters.com slash merch. Can I um, can I give a small interjection about the Dallas Fort Worth when we were talking uh, yes, about yes of course when we were talking about them under unfortunate circumstances there a couple of weeks ago I forgot to mention we we talked about how they were the team with the, the they blue. got all dapper with the blue uh, yeah. uh, Paul Feig homage ties and all that and it was in my notes and it never came up they're the team that uh, secured the uh, the green carpet oh they are that's and right. That's what, that's where we got it from. That that the piece that uh, that oh you and I had hanging on our wall. I didn't make that connection at all. I feel like such an asshole. And an audacious team. Yeah, <laughs> out of out of a hundred plus, like a hundred and fifty uh, fans from technically around the world, because South Korea was there, and <laughs> they were the only team that stopped and thought to themselves, "We should ask what they're going to do with that, and if we can have some." <laughs> so um, they made off with. Um, a fairly sizable chunk, and I believe they were um, uh, bits of it were going out in exchange again to, uh, for their for their charity. I can't remember what charity it was, but yeah, um, that's oh, that's so funny because that you you were uh, kind enough to acquire a piece of the carpet from them for me. So yeah. I, I have that uh, third third hand, second hand, I guess. Uh, but oh my god, that's that's awesome! I didn't make that connection at all. Well, good, good on was, them because I had that same thought. I was like, who went up to like the poor teamster that was loading it into the back of a truck and was like, hey, what happens to that carpet when you guys are done with it? Can I have that? Because <laughs> I, I had the same thought about the firehouse. They built that beautiful yeah. firehouse for the premiere. And I was like, where does that go? Does that just get thrown into a dumpster? And yeah, sure enough, I found thing, out there is a, an eco place that recycles those sets and that's where it goes. But uh, It existed for less than 12 hours. It, yeah, and was, I mean, beautiful and and, you know, at a great scale that made it really impressive. And yeah, but alas, uh, yeah, it went to, uh, I think it's called eco sets. It's a place that dismantles sets exactly like that, that are built for like parades and things that are temporary and they recycle them and, and get them back out there into circulation. But, um, yeah. God, how funny. Well, um, well, thanks to the Dallas Fort Worth guys for that then too. I, I feel like even more of a jerk because I didn't make that connection, but don't, uh, don't stop, uh, don't stop thinking of all the cool ways to raise money for charity that we're too idiotic to <laughs> yes, think of please ourselves. do. <laughs> please do. I'm, I'm oblivious. It's, it's like the charity equivalent of Sherlock Holmes. It's like, Watson, you had all the evidence I had. You just didn't put it together. <laughs> you could have raised money for charity. You had access I to know. the same stuff we did. But alas, there can only be one Sherlock for good reason. Me, so. me, me tired, not have coffee. <laughs> You guys, too, you guys are too sharp. Too sharp. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, check out the Dallas-Fort Worth, guys. That pin is, is pretty sweet. Um, yeah. Let's see. Da- oh, Diamond Actually, Select. Oh, go ahead. Proton Pins has uh, there's an, a Vigo pin that's up right now, too. 
Do they? Or is that? No, it's Ecto Crank. That's Ecto Crank has the Vigo pin. That's for charity as well. I think it only has like five of them left, though, or something. Five. That was a confusing one because apparently he wasn't allowed to sell them. There's something there that I'm missing. Yeah, or it was somebody else's design that he he took inspiration from, or I'm not quite sure what that was all about. But but he's selling it for charity, so. Yeah, that was their workaround. Was there was not allowed to sell them, but they were already made. So yes, they were selling it, and the proceeds going to charity. Which I guess technically, whoever wanted to make a stink could still legally make a stink. But it's one of those things where it's kind of like you asked me to dispose of them. I'm disposing of them, and the money's not going to yeah. me. Yeah, so. and and to a certain extent, uh, we're still also um, appropriating the intellectual property of somebody else that could <laughs> send out cease and desist as well. So uh, yeah, you know, it's all kind of gray, but. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, proton pins—they're—they're they're the ones that did that really great uh, real Ghostbusters pin that's got like the the pack and the thrower, and uh, it's that one's super cool. Yeah, um, connected by a uh, a gold chain. Yeah, that one—that one's amazing. That one's just cool. just. Ah, just for the dynamic nature of that pin, that's amazing. Pins, it's a good time to be a, a pin collector, I guess is what we're saying. And we've we've mentioned that on the show many times before. But if uh, you guys listen, and I think they do, do one with a trap because it's connected by a cord too, right? Like you could have the pedal oh. and the trap. See if all right, and I don't know if this is the same as a pin, but uh, you could do earrings, and you could uh, I I can picture like Luna X Mars with a proton pack on one ear and a trap on the other ear. That would be a pretty fun uh, earring combination. But yeah, you could little or, little uh, different than a pin, I guess. The earrings are a little harder, I guess, but not really. It's just the backing you put on them, really. Different backing, I, different scale. I, I, maybe. I don't I don't know if I don't know if if the place that makes the pins will put that kind of back on them, but, uh, it could be done. Jewelry, Ghostbusters jewelry. There's something that hasn't really been explored. I guess. No, exactly. Um, but, uh, all right, well let's, let's talk diamond select because that's our next order here. Uh, they blasted out a whole ton of photos of their series six. That's the Ghostbusters two, uh, figures that are coming, uh, in about a week and a half. I think by the time that you listen to this, my math, not so good. As Chris said, no coffee. Memory no fuzzy, coffee. no math. But about a week and a half, two weeks from now, uh, Vigo looks fantastic. I think he's probably the only one from this series that I'll pick up. I don't know about you, Chris. Yeah. But, I mean, I want the firehouse. But I don't have room for the firehouse, and I also I didn't have room for the temple. I, I mean, I, yeah, and it's it, we talked about that when the temple came out. Like, where does that go? Unless you're our uh, yes, have some friends that have that giant, awesome toy vault room. Uh, where does it go? I just don't have the space for it. But, um, but the cool news. So when when Diamond sent out these photos. Um, they also cl- kind of clarified a few things. They did fix the Ghostbusters sign, which we had seen as being incorrect. You know, on the the reverse right. side of it, it was not the correct. The mirror image was not the way that it should have been mirrored. I don't know how to explain it without visuals because I I'm am with you. very tired. But uh, so they fixed that, and then they've also added an extra detail to the diorama where you can pull off the hook and ladder number eight lettering on the facade, which is kind of cool too. So, you know, for Ghostbusters two, you can put it on, and for Ghostbusters one, you can take it off and and hide it, which is kind of nice. But uh, very very cool stuff. Diamond Select is really. Uh, doing some great work especially that vigo figure man that's such a good looking figure um so uh i think i'll pick up vigo and janosch i think those are that's that's my sort of like budget for all of these yeah do those two and that's probably where i'll i'll draw the line or maybe one of the figures with the slime blower because i don't know i'm partial to the slime blower for some reason 
Speaking of slime blower, bringing it back to Playmobil, somebody was complaining about the Ghostbusters 2, there's only two slime packs. I was like, did we not see the movie? What? That was a real complaint? Or was that, that was somebody just being cynical? No, their complaint was is that they, they, according to them, cheaped out on the slime pack because there was only two. And I'm like, that's, that's all they had. Yeah. Um, all right. We should uh, hopefully be talking about that in a bit more detail here in the next, well, I'm hoping by next week because Playmobil is supposedly sending sending a little sample so we can try out this. Everybody else is nerdist and everybody's already talking about the uh, the little app and the... Uh, and how the figures work and the stuff. The hologram thing. Yeah. yeah, I need to make a correction, by the way, too. I know I've derailed off of Diamond Select and oh, I apologize. Please do. But it is a separate app. Oh, the, that's right, it is. It's not in the game app, as we had sort of talked yeah. about a couple episodes ago. Now, it makes a bit more sense, too, though, because they spread this technology across a couple of different lines. The Ghostbusters have one, and then there's some sort of fantasy uh, dragons and ice wizards or princesses or something. Uh, and they do. They have the same effect built into them. So the mm. app covers both. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah, that's why they made a standalone, because... And I'm sure they'll update it if they put the stuff in, you know, in in packs that come, or not p- packs, but, you know, products that come down the line later. Yeah, like when the real Ghostbusters figures come out, if uh, maybe they do another pack of ghosts or something that you can keep yeah. using those traps uh, with, with different ghosts or something. That would be really cool. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. All right. Well, yeah, good. I, f- I forgot that we should have issued that correction. Um, but nah, yeah, it's we'll, all on me. We'll talk about me. that more. The, the kind folks at Playmobil are sending us uh, a couple of review samples, uh, but as you say... We're not nerdist, uh, so we have to wait our place in line, and that's okay. So we'll, <laughs> we'll get to that as soon as we get uh, our copies. Um, how about uh, let's talk about a feudal and stupid gesture because it's been a couple weeks sure. now, and I've I've really wanted to talk to you about this one. So uh, if you're not familiar, on Netflix there is a, a great movie uh, by David Wayne of uh, the State and uh, Wet Hot American Summer uh, fame. Uh, and it is the story of Doug Kenny, who was one of the co-founders of the National Lampoon uh, as, as a whole. I was going to say the magazine, but one of the founders of the Lampoon in general. And uh, it's just it's it's wonderful. There are a few flaws, which we can talk about uh, here in a second. But if you are a fan of Ghostbusters, you owe it to yourself or even if you're a fan of Saturday Night Live or SCTV or National Lampoon or comedy in general, like you need to watch this because it's. It's it's a key moment that defined all of the comedy that was essential to what created Ghostbusters. Without the Lampoon magazine, there would have not been that uh, amalgamation later of the Bill Murray, uh, Harold Ramis, Dan Aykroyd, even Michael C. Gross would not have been involved in theory with Ghostbusters. So there would have been no no Ghost logo. Uh, everything would have just been completely different if it would have not happened in the first place. I, that's that's the other crazy thing, that this could be a timeline if none of this happened where Ghostbusters doesn't exist and this podcast doesn't exist. <laughs> heavy, Doc. Really heavy. Um, but There's uh, that word again. Heavy. Uh, but so, yeah, so I thought you and I could just talk about it because what did you think about it? I, I was completely blown away, flabbergasted. I was bawling like a baby at the end uh, because... Doug Kenny uh, takes his life. I don't think that's a spoiler. A lot of people already know that. And it's, no. it's very sad yeah. and very poignant. Um, but what, what did you think of the movie when you watched it? I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's uh, it's uh, the casting. I think that's the strongest part about it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. 
it was a really interesting mix of um what am I trying to explain here? There's a number of times I've heard uh, people who do impressions. Uh, or, yeah, talk like about lookalike, the, soundalike uh, kind of things. Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, is that to do an impression, you're not perfectly mimicking them because if you perfectly mimic them, people don't quite get it. Like, you have to find a hook or an exaggeration and build around it. Right. So, and but once you do that, in some cases, it supersedes in people's memory, what people actually sound like. like, I um, think that's Dana Carvey, isn't it? Didn't Dana Carvey talk about that? That once he created Ross Perot and, and George W. Bush, nah, gonna do it. Like George George Bush never said that. I think you're right. I think he talked about it. There are others. Uh, What's a good example? Um, The, help me out here. Uh, Nixon. I was going to say Nixon is the one that like Maurice LaMarche always talks about. Uh, precursor to late night television, Ed Sullivan. Oh yeah. Ed Sullivan's yeah. another one that when we think of Ed Sullivan, it's not really what he. Everybody like goes he, into the, like, like, that's actually Nixon, but whatever. <laughs> Nixon, yeah. a, a really big shoe, a really big shoe. Yeah. Like he doesn't really exaggerate that much, but that's, and that's exactly what this movie is, is it's people who are in some case, there's some, some people who really look the part really well, like for, for certain key cast, they worked really hard to find people that like really kind of fit the look really well as well as, you know, and sometimes and less so than in being able to do an impression, particularly since a lot of them, we don't know exactly what they were like. They're not right. a Chevy Chase or a Bill Murray and all that. Whereas the ones that we do know, they don't quite look like them, but they, they do mannerisms and sounds like exaggerated mannerisms and sounds spot on. Oh man. It's, it's, and it works really well. Oh, it's so good. And the movie is, yeah. is self-aware that none of these people look like the actual, like John Daly does not look like Bill Murray. And the movie calls that out. They're like, look, we know, just go with it. We know that Will Forte is not 20 years old, but just go with it, no, which is funny. I love d- that they do that. He does get one of the best lines in the whole movie where Harold Ramis is asking about uh, Doug Kitty what he thinks of the uh, the ball washing she- uh, scene. <laughs> he, and he does the, I can go higher or lower depending on how big my dong is. <laughs> 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 it, well, and, and it's funny. So hearing hearing you like you go into Bill Murray, Carl Spackler voice right there, and and it could be so easily a, an impression. It it reminded me of when they cast like Chris Pine to be um, Captain Kirk. Like you could do a yeah. Shatner impression, and it could come off kind of as a parody, but it it's more so in the the demeanor and the movements and the, the attitude and the way that these people present themselves. That like John Daly's Bill Murray is perfect and and yeah. rick glassman's harold ramus is perfect and amazing like joel McHale's chevy chase i mean it makes sense he spent a lot of time with chevy chase to kind of study him and mimic him um, i also think that was done deliberately by oh, somebody 100%. who wanted to piss off chevy chase 100 percent. that was that was one of the thoughts that i had while i was watching it with kelly i was like chevy chase is watching this and like that guy i can't believe they got that guy they did it like I was like, man. Like, and Dan Harmon is laughing somewhere because of it. Somewhere, uh, yeah. But it's um, um, I guess for people who are, yeah, it all focuses around Doug Kenny, and and I don't think it's wrong. The the conceit is that Doug Kenny kind of rolled the Harvard Lampoon along with Henry Beard into this new level, this new kind of counterculture or post counterculture 
comedy scene, like yeah, slightly post crumb and all that. You know what I mean? Uh, or just kind of on the leading out of it fringes. Yeah, um, and and to the point where he hires the guys that knew crumb or worked with crumb. Uh, yeah, and that goes terribly awry, which we see. And he hires Michael C. Gross. Funny enough, and but it 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 is it is really um really amazingly researched and referential too like of of certain key issues and covers and stories and all that that everybody will remember um so it's it's all about how he kind of just never stopped doing it and it rolled into this um you know amazing thing and you know the movie kind of the movie makes fun of the not makes fun of this idea but really winks at the idea that they realize it's super pretentious to say that he rewrote American comedy, but yeah. to be fair, he kind of rewrote, not alone, but he was the one that kicked it all off. And it's kind of, um, how do I put this? It's not like, um, it's not like he was a driving force, but then didn't contribute. Like he was the driving force and he just would not stop writing comedy either. Like he really injected, it wasn't. It wasn't just him saying, "Hey, kids, we're gonna make a a, a magazine and I'll run it because I think this is great stuff, and you guys go write it or whatever." He was, you know, Henry Beard was the guy who kind of kept things running yeah, in the background. Yeah, also thing. played incredibly well by uh, uh, Domino Gleason. I mean, Domino I Gleason, had no idea which, that was him until I, I it got to the credits me halfway through when I said. Why does this guy look like General Hux? Because oh, <laughs> it was General. It Hux. is General Hux. I um, get it. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I don't I don't mean to to interrupt, but the please yeah, do because I the, listened to last week episode and I think I was clocking in at about eighty five percent. You need to talk. Not you need to fight all. back. All right, I'll fight back because one of the things that I thought was incredibly sweet and actually I'd, I had no idea, or I mean I I knew but I had never kind of connected, was that. You know, Henry Beard, Doug Kenny, putting together this crew, it was, it, it, again, much like Ghostbusters, it was that lightning in a bottle that they pulled all of these people like Michael O'Donohue and Ann Beats and PJ O'Rourke and j- just a, but John Hughes. They have this one sequence where they list off all of the writers that wrote for The Lampoon, and it's it's a who's who of comedy, basically. Um, but the, the amount of talent that they amass... <laughs> That's another amazing scene where they have like these eight guys walk into frame and about 30 names pop up. You can barely read them fast enough. And your your narrator uh, uh, through the, the whole thing, uh, which is Kenny, older Kenny himself, goes, but, you know, there's just not enough room in the narrative to cover these guys. Sorry. And they all, <laughs> they, they <laughs> they all, all walk like off dejected. dejected. Yeah, walk away. <laughs> um, I mean, that's it, they do take a lot of – and they again, they're really – aware that they're taking creative liberties. And I did read an interview that the funeral scene that happens at the end was a creative liberty, but uh, we don't have to talk about that, but, but yeah, that, you know, Doug Kenny was responsible for Saturday night live. Like Lauren Michaels basically cherry picked all of the best talent that, that, that these guys had put together to a point where I don't know if it was real. I don't know if it was uh, engineered just for the, the drama of the scene, but Doug Kenny goes to an after party at SNL and flat out goes up to Lauren Michaels and was like, well, my show looks great. Thanks so much. Uh, do you want my Coke before you take that too? He's, I had no idea that that was kind of his feeling toward that. Um, or that he was insecure about Caddyshack. You know, he goes and he sees airplane in the movie and he's like, well, we're dead. Like that's comedy right there. And my stupid gopher movie is going to come out and shit the bed. Um, 
So, uh, you know, very insecure guy. He also had a very bad cocaine problem, which small, probably didn't help that. Small question, and you might be able to help me with this. Was that the new Beverly that they came out of for Airplane? Oh, it might have been. I'd have to look or at it was, again. There's another theater down the road there in L.A. It was one of the two. Like, I'm looking at it going, that's mm, the Beverly I'll Laurel have to area. Look. I don't know how think. much of it they actually filmed. I know all of the studio stuff here, which same thing. They sort of, they combine... Universal and Warner Brothers into one studio for the purposes of of the storytelling, right. but that yeah. also sets up a wonderful uh, gag. It sort of a <laughs> wink and a nod with the the tram. <laughs> this, yeah, uh, where you know you you've got the tour guide that's uh, you know doing the studio tour in the tram, and it's Babs from Animal House. It's like God, yeah. the amount of the tiny attention to detail that they had in this movie is just, it's fantastic. So it's going to require repeat viewings because a, I didn't slow down like the scene with the writers to try and read the name and read all of them. Uh, yeah. There's another bit where they acknowledge that they're compressing, you know, they're taking licenses. <laughs> so they have a, a, one of those joke scrolls oh, where you I know. can't I read the frame text by frame through that. Where they're going, and and as you mentioned it, one of them is that they, you can see it flash by, that they can press these two studios into one just for the sake of just, <laughs> keeping it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to streamline things. And, and as I, I mentioned, I did read an interview with the filmmakers that they said that the food fight that happens at the end was completely engineered. But then again, you've, you've got Martin Mole as older Doug Kenny narrating the whole thing, and he commit suicide he never gets that old so yeah you know they, they yeah. do kind of take some liberties and and that's been one of the criticisms that i've seen against the movie is that well why did they if they were going to take these creative liberties with it why didn't they take it one step further why was it not more madcap why does it sort of delve into the common tropes of the you know biopic where you've got the creative soul who just wants to be understood and becomes an outcast and gets addicted to the drugs and has an outburst with the significant other and uh he he doesn't go no he does he does smash things i was gonna say he doesn't go so far as smashing windshields but he gets to that point um so it, it does kind of fall into a few cliches but honestly it you don't really mind it because you're caught up so much in, in these characters and you love everything so much yeah. that you don't really care too, too much about the, like, Oh, I've seen that before. Oh, that's kind of, Ooh, that's cringeworthy. Uh, you kind it's of also, are more excusing it, of that. It's also tricky in these situations where it is a biopic because what we call cliche may actually have, you know, a grounding in reality too. Yeah. Like we're looking at things where we're like, oh, that's such a, cli-. if it was written, yeah, it'd be a cliche, but you know, sometimes these cliches come up, up <laughs> because people happened. do do them. Yeah. It <laughs> so, happened for a reason. Um, um, and, and the other reason I would say you guys should, should stop what you're doing and watch this. If uh, you haven't already is all of the recreations that they've done. They recreate the feed your fingertips to the Wolverines uh, scene. <laughs> Where Tom Lynn and yeah. Michael O'Donoghue was spot on, and just uh, uh, Animal House when they're shooting Animal House, the the costumes and all of the people that they cast to be like Tim Matheson and um, uh, Mick Hucknall. Um, yeah, it's like yeah, same thing. It's like a who's who of comedy too. You, all of these people, I'm sure, were chomping at the bit to be a part of this movie. So uh, you you got to check it out. You have to go watch it. I I give it a I give it a solid like eight out of ten, like I really do. I think that's pretty fair. I think it's you know there are like I said a few issues. It's not a, t- a perfect ten, but uh, maybe even an eight point five if I want to call the the point five. I want to mark the point five as would watch 
again in the future. Like yeah, for life, life viewing, short, sure. Life, Absolutely. Life's getting shorter all the time. <laughs> I don't have time to go back. Certain ones I just won't go back and watch again necessarily. All that. This one I would watch again. Yeah, uh, definitely. And it's um, if you're a fan of this 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 comedy era of comedy, uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of people listening because you know this is about probably. Ghostbusters. Yeah, probably are. It's really amazing to watch because there are all these pieces that you suddenly go, I did not know that. Like the bit about the the first sketch of the first episode of Saturday Night Live with uh, 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 Donahue, uh, as you said, played by Tom Lennon. I did not realize that. Like I knew back then they were a weird mix of writers as right. with occasional doing little bits of acting and stuff like that. I didn't really know who they were because they weren't Chevy Chase or Bill Murray. They didn't persist on to this superstardom actor actor thing. They went on to, you know, uh, bright careers writing and stuff like that in the yeah. background. Like Donahue, I did not realize until, because this movie just drove me into a Wikipedia frenzy. Um, Donahue uh, co-wrote Scrooged. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, I mean, Michael O'Donohue was really prolific until he died in 89, I want to say. Yeah. And that's the crazy part. Like, 89 means he died shortly after Scrooge came. The funny part is Wikipedia said, uh, yeah, he, he, he was really mad about Scrooge that came out in theaters because he said they wrote a, uh, was it Glazer? Michael Glazer? Yeah. Mitch wrote Glazer. A, wrote a, yeah. Mitch, sorry, Mitch wrote a, a better script. And he and said and he 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 persisted in this uh, uh, until the day he died. I'm like that wasn't terribly long after the movie came out. Let's just be yeah, fair. Yeah, but and the one thing, is, sorry, I did the, the one the one thing is you mentioned people complained about the old uh, um, uh, the old Kenny uh, uh, <laughs> framing device. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm okay with it. Uh, Mostly because it adds an extra bit of sadness for people who don't realize that he doesn't survive the movie. Right. Like, because we're watching it going, yeah, but it turns out all right, right? And we just have to face the fact that it doesn't. And I say this because I, I kind of forgot that. Kenny committed suicide in 1980. So I went through this whole thing, like kind of not really thinking about it. Like I kind of knew and kind of didn't. And then I got to the bit and I was like, oh crap. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually spent a small moment at the, 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 the funeral at the end going, is this going to be one of these, you know, um, you know, speaking of Scrooge, you know, um, ghost of Christmas past sort of thing, right? Like, is this his moment to, is this his, uh, it's a wonderful life moment where he kind of sees, sees what, it's what like the world would be without him. Yeah. And I forgot. And I was, and I was actually oh. slightly devastated because throughout the whole movie, at one point, I was kind of like, boy, I can't wait to see what happens, you know, when we get to the stripes slash Ghostbusters era. And I forgot he never made it. He never yeah, got to see any of that there. happen. And I, I mean, I would kind of echo that. I thought he actually committed suicide during the production of, of Caddyshack. So I, I thought that I was mistaken, you know, once they got past Caddyshack and, and he was sort of living with that, like, oh God, I got to get clean. I was like, oh, maybe I was, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. I thought he, but yeah, sure enough, uh, he goes but, to Hawaii more, on vacation and, and kills himself. More, more, more specifically, it's a good way to open it because as much as I like, um, 
<sighs> getting late. Will Forte? Actor who's, yes, thank you, yeah. who's not Will Arnett. God. <laughs> not Will Arnett. Dang it. <laughs> um, I could pull Will Arnett's, like, anybody. It's like, show me a picture of a dog. I'm like, Will Arnett? Like, it's just the name <laughs> is there. And then Will Forte. I'm like, I'm really sorry, man. It's just it's just not stuck. I don't know why. That's like, my friend Adam has a, 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 he goes, who's that guy whose name I can never remember? Like, Bradley Cooper. Every single time. Every who's single that guy time. whose name I can never remember? It's Bradley Cooper. <laughs> um, he, it, uh. I, I like him, but I like that this framing device let him exist only in the telling of the like the the chronological timeline. I, it would have been weird if he had been outside of it talking about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if it was intercut with him in present day or something, or yeah. Speaking, I, I see what you're speaking of cliches, too, to have somebody break the fourth wall and go. You know, but that was me. I was weird then, and all this sort of thing. Like to have <laughs> yeah, an with the old record man scratch and the that's me. You're probably wondering how I got in this situation. Yeah, exactly. Like it's become a meme because it's so cliche. Yeah. And more to the point, if you watch the trailer, some of the stuff in the trailer gets even better in the movie. Like they cut it short in places, yeah. and it just oh, gets yeah. better. And one of the strongest bits, and you couldn't do it with Will Forte, and Martin Mull is perfect for it. Is the bit about the producers trying to get him to say. Uh, I changed the face of comedy, but I couldn't change myself. <laughs> and he looks up, really? Like, really? Just, I have to really? say that? I have yeah. to say that? Um, <laughs> that wouldn't have been quite the same coming out of uh, Forte, right? It, it worked better as old man, you know, uh, Martin Mull playing Kenny sort of thing. I don't yeah, know why. Yeah, you need that exasperated. But Will Forte has that that gleeful, childlike yeah. wonder behind him where Martin Mull has that, like, those eyes have seen a lot of things. Like, really? Come on, guys. I'm not going to say that. That's stupid. That is stupid. And it, um, it, it allowed a yeah. lot of real breakout or him walking through scenes and stuff like that. I mean, I guess you could argue it would have been hard to do with Forte. Can you, you know, what is that an effect? Like, is that more Age money to do it? Or, yeah, what do are you, they gonna do? You keep him out of the way, like, or just just weird stuff. Whereas this, it kind of it kind of worked okay. Yeah, it and, it. I didn't mind. I mean, until I read the the reviews where people called it out as a, and this is their quote, not mine, lazy framing device. I was like, I don't think it's lazy. I actually think it worked pretty well because then you can have him be the omniscient narrator, yeah. even though he's dead. Uh, but you also get somebody like Martin Mull who, if you guys don't know him, look him up, you'll immediately be like, oh, that guy, because he's been in a million things. He was in Roseanne and, and a ton of stuff. But Yeah, you, you'll know him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but and it works so well. You know, this is the man that he could have grown to be. Um, and, it, and it's funny because a lot of the, the people portrayed who are still living from that are kind of like Martin Mull. They're just like you know old like ex-hippie dudes that have the beards and the glasses now and they're kind of yeah. mild-mannered and they just kind of are cool they're just chill people you know uh so oh that's that's the other thing i haven't done yet i still have to go back and read the credits because they go out of their way to throw people in there that don't even get referenced like there's a passing one where they go oh uh, see the guy in the orange sweater that's tim matheson he's about to say the you know the title of the movie sort of thing (laughs) that's it that's all we see of him for that later on there's a bit where they roll out um um uh, bradley cooper no bradley uh, cooper stephen first uh no no paul um paul Shear. no schaefer oh but yeah paul Shear as paul schaefer yeah, roll him out on a piano, 
and you know who it is because yeah. they get him to do the yeah baby and all this sort of thing. <laughs> He's at a piano, and you're like, yeah, it's Paul Schaefer. Nobody ever goes, hey, look, it's Paul, hey, look, or Paul hi, I'm yeah. Paul, or anything. Yeah. So I'm convinced that a lot of people we saw wander through are people that I just missed in the passing, and I'm going to be reading it going, oh, my God, they stuck so-and-so in there. Oh, right? 100%. Like just, I mean, Michael C. Gross, they don't call out Michael C. Gross. Like, no. hey, art director Michael C. Gross. But you do see him during the infamous photo shoot, you know, buy this magazine or we'll shoot this dog. He's there. Yep. Or when he's in the art room and he's drawing stuff out, that's him. And he looks – the guy they cast, man, looks yep. just like Michael C. Gross with the long beard and long hair. But uh, Was uh, was Magic with Ramus on um – um, there's a shot no I think it was at uh, Animal uh, Animal House where there's a guy where I'm trying to figure out who it's supposed John to be Landis like John Landis is there oh, for Animal right. House yeah. yeah 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 yeah. which That's also probably... by the way the guy that they got to, I'm blanking on his name but the guy that they got to play Ivan Reitman is a dead ringer for especially in profile like you see him in the back of party scenes and you're like god that guy looks <laughs> like Ivan Reitman and and again mannerisms and everything are just spot on it's so good and I I think people who say why wasn't it more madcap oh man i think it's a good i think honestly i think it was a good balance and to be honest i i was trying to think about it there is madcap and i think what they tried to get across was that all of the comedy of that era comes out of like a well because what they were which was english majors at harvard it's a it's a it's a language thing it's a literary thing so a lot of the comedy there is some madcap there is some you know scenes and stuff like that and funny situations but a lot of it comes out of the dialogue and it's some of it's just throwaway like where they're walking down the street talking about making this movie about uh uh, you know frat movie uh frat house stuff and they called up i forget who it is the writer but remember he had all all these stories, so they took him out to get all the good stories to start. And he's, yeah, uh, the, on, on campus, the, the craziest frat was always, you know, Delta House and all this. And, and uh, yeah, they always called it Animal House. And Ivan Reitman goes, that would be a great title. And Kenny goes, yeah, the craziest frat. And then they just cut to a new scene. <laughs> and I'm howling. I'm like, like, they're just just throwing away these little lines. I'm like, oh, my God. this Yeah, the wordplay is, is astounding. Yeah. I gotta, and I think this is the other thing. I, I, I don't know who edited it. But so much of the comedy in this movie is timing in the edit. Like, yeah, it's just, I would imagine it's the same same crew that uh, that David Wayne uses on Wet Hot American Summer, which is yeah. the same sort of like the joke depends on the editorial. Uh, but and there is, I mean, the the Tom Lennon bit where you know he does this whole Vietnamese uh, school guide thing, and then uh, somebody <laughs> sends him uh, sticks of dynamite in the mail because they're upset about it. And so there's a whole scene where he's standing in the middle of the office holding <laughs> these sticks of dynamite while he's smoking his long <laughs> cigarillo. With like, uh, maybe maybe you shouldn't be smoking around the. Uh, <laughs> it's just so good. But uh, so anyway, so go check it out. It's fun. I mean, obviously, now that we have gushed probably for 30 minutes plus here yes. about it, uh, it's 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 well worth your time. Uh, and hopefully you'll you'll key into the excitement and the enthusiasm that, that both of us have for it, because I I'm never not going to call Sprite Sprite ever again. <laughs> Would you care for a Sprite? Do you care for a Sprite? Yeah. <laughs> 
that's so good. Um, all right. Well, so here's the deal. We are at uh, we're at close to an hour here. Um, I but. do want to get to answer the call number three, and then I do want to get to our goofs of Ghostbusters. So maybe what we'll do. Let's let's sort of hit the 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 uh, the bullet points on answer the call number three because uh, so Ghostbusters answer the call number three from IDW uh, out on shelves as of recording right now today but uh, as yep. of last Wednesday when you guys hear this um, and uh, again there were a little bit of delay uh, on the second issue but now it seems like they've hit their full swing so three and four yeah, are coming yep. out here pretty consecutively um, I, I mean. Here's what here's what I wanted to do, Chris. I wanted you and I okay. to do a live read. I was like, oh, this is gonna be great. You know how people like they do their uh, like uh, box opening videos and like people and, play video games and watch them. And I'm like, but how are you gonna do a live read? It's just gonna be minutes of you and I in silence as we read a page, and then you hear say, like, me go, huh, "That's funny." You re- you realize it was ten seconds, and every once in a while somebody yeah, turns a page. You hear a page turn, and so yeah, that's. I'm just trying to figure out because the, the round tables are, are a lot of fun. They're just a, a little bit of a difficult uh, logistical thing to do. So uh, I'm trying to find a way for you and I to talk about these issues, but maybe you and I can just sort of talk uh, broad terms because we didn't talk about the, f- the first two. Well, we talked about the first issue. We didn't talk yeah, about we, issue we two. We talked about the first. We yeah. kind of mentioned in passing the second. Yeah. And issue two There's, is really strong. Issue two is yeah. great. Um, uh main problem still persists and i mean it's not necessarily their fault they repo manned the end of you know what i mean things yeah. are heating up and i'm like, <laughs> it's yeah. like dun, dun. all that was missing was the dun 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 <laughs> at the end where i'm like no oh, come on i have to wait for the ah, yeah. cliffhanger well let's uh so let's throw up the spoiler alert here guys we will sure. spoil issue three here so um skip skip forward until you hear the voicemail music uh here um but <laughs> So so let's talk about three because two two ended on such a good like the the bizarre imagery what they've set up is this this sort of like um uh, I, I have no other reference point except for like the, the scarecrow in Batman slash Detective Comics or he's kind of San Mister Sandman slash the Boogeyman this villain who feeds off of fear essentially, which is a wonderful concept. And the second issue really plays into that. Uh, so that you see the fears of the four ghostbusters. Um, I love that Holtzman's fear is sitting in a cubicle. Uh, what was it? It was like consumed by, I can't remember now, but you know, she, she has this fear of, of protocol and, and, uh, structure and things like that. Um, yeah. Aaron has a fear of bees, which I guess uh, I've later learned is an allusion to a booper and the gag reel. <laughs> exactly. That was a nice touch. Um, but so, so issue two set things up so nicely and then issue three, it kind of left a little bit to be desired to be completely honest. I, I, and I don't know, like you say that they've, they've set up this wonderful, uh, thing that I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait to see all of New York city having to live their fears. And how are they going to get out of this? Uh, and then at the beginning of issue three, it cuts to them at a diner and like, everything's okay. Like, uh, Patrick Duffy gets out of the shower. It was all a dream. I'm like, wait, what, what just happened? If I had a complaint, it's, it's that they really did kind of to jump cut from the end, uh, the one into the next um which they then kind of explain away as a 
we're not even a threat to them sort of thing, but ah, some... Which is kind of nice, but at the same time, yeah, you, you want those stakes to keep increasing, especially when it's a limited series like this. I was hoping that that momentum would carry, but then we sort of take two or three steps backward with the storytelling here, which is, is fine because it's it now gives them the opportunity to all make fun of each other for their fears, which you want. Like, that's, that's one of the great comedic moments in this issue, but um, I, I don't, I mean... It's, it's this this whole issue felt strange it felt even even the art felt a little strange like corin howell's art in the first two was wonderful her art and her take on on the busters and the equipment and i think i remember in the first issue i was gushing about how much i love the new trap like that cylindrical trap that she designed yeah and then bizarrely in the third issue it's like back to being a rectangular trap that's kind of boxy with no details and the Ectomobile doesn't have a whole lot of detail on it. So I'm, I'm wondering if they're under a little bit of a production timeline gun here too. Like maybe that's where the delay came from is they're running behind and they're having to crank stuff out as fast as possible or something. I don't just something yeah, felt off. Did you get that too? Possible. Or was that just me? Uh, not when I initially read it, but when I, but the couple of things that kind of, you know, rang a little bit of a bell and I'm kind of like, what was that all about? Exactly. I then because we were aware that they were delayed, I was like, maybe, yeah, I had the same thought as you. Maybe they, it was trying to play catch up or, uh, you know, there was a, there was a rush. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to talk. I don't want to go too far with that. Cause it sounds like I, I, I don't, you know, suddenly I'm mad at the series or something. And no, I'm not, and I'm, still yeah, I'm, not, I'm not mad at this. I'm enjoying it as well. And, and it does pick back up. I mean, the whole sequence at the end where they go to the basement of, of, uh, what's his name? Dr. Kruger, I think. It's, yeah. It's an on-the-nose name, I think is what they said in the first issue, but uh, it, it does pick back up, and, and the shortcomings of, like, the the boxy trap coming out aside, it's, it is a really great moment where they're trying to not disturb anything in this laboratory, otherwise it's going to alert the, the bad guy that they're there. Um, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun issue. I just, maybe I'm just I'm concerned because I know it's a miniseries and I know that it's coming to an end soon. So I thought it was going to go in a completely different direction and it didn't. I was, I was just looking forward to, you know, Mr. Sandman, dream me a dream. I want to see all of the ridiculous or terrifying things that everybody in New York city is afraid of. Yeah. And, and that's, I think where Corin's art could have shown as well is seeing all of these like macabre things that all of these people are, are, are uh, afraid of. But it just didn't go in that direction. Maybe in the next issue, maybe because I think we're coming to a close here with issue four. So, yeah, um, you know, hopefully we get to see that in the big climax. But um, yeah, I mean, again, I'm sorry. I don't I don't mean to sound like I'm down on it because I actually I'm I am still enjoying it. It was just sort of like, oh, huh, that's that not not what I expected entirely, um, but still a good read. And 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 again, the characterizations here, I think they sort of benefit from what Eric uh, and and uh, the crew on 101 have sort of established is the voices of the characters are are, are perfect. You know, you now yeah. have this differentiation between Aaron and Abby, which I know was one of the common complaints of the movie is that they were completely interchangeable. So, you know, I, I think Kelly Thompson really nails that. And, and we yeah. now have a differentiation between the two of them. And Patty has a whole lot more to do. Um, yeah, she gets the, the best line in the whole issue, which is where she's being chased and they're yelling at her to run faster. And she's <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I'm running as she's, fast as I yeah. can. I assure you. I assure you, this is my top speed. Yeah. This is my top speed. Like um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the dialogue is perfect and, and wonderful. And they sort of, 
they are sort of riding the ship in a lot of places where there were complaints about the answer the call characters. So I think it works out pretty well, but um, I, I'm just I'm bummed that it's coming to an end. I know at least in crossing over this will continue. We've seen preview art where Holtzman obviously shows up, and we do know it's every Ghostbuster team. So uh, I'm sure they will factor in pretty prominently. But um, yeah, I just I I wish it was an ongoing. I wish that this was the continuation of that movie series. Uh, because I, I, I'd like to see it continue. I'd like to see it thrive. Uh, and maybe with a little more time and a few more issues, uh, they'd, they'd have that, that luxury to keep going. But Yeah, well, this is kind of, I guess, the backdoor pilot. And if it does well, we'll yeah, I think we'll see more. I think we'll see, see more. See what happens. So, um, so yeah, let's... Uh, God, I really want to get into the goofs of Ghostbusters, and we're at an hour. So we'll, <laughs> we'll do it. I know that your, your uh, hour and a half is coming to a close here. So here's, here's a quick voicemail, and then let's get into the goofs of Ghostbusters. Hey Chris, hey Troy, uh, Pablo here. Um, calling in uh, after uh, listening to your latest uh, podcast episode about the underappreciated aspects of Ghostbusters. Um, I think in regards to that, one of the points uh, that you brought up was regarding the setting of New York. In my opinion, I think Ghostbusters is one of you could say many, but really a group of films compared to dozens upon dozens of countless films made in New York that really makes the the city a character in in the you know in the story. Uh, because I think Dan Aykroyd said in one interview or a few interviews for the video game that New York City is. Is a, is a very important aspect of the Ghostbusters identity. You know, I, I live in it, and I live in a relatively good neighborhood where a bunch of these buildings are, you know, very old. You, you know, brick houses and um, lots of uh, even colonial uh, designed houses and architecture that you really... I think sometimes even people who live in the, in the area or in these types of areas don't fully appreciate more often because it's a daily occurrence. But I think Ghostbusters is one of those films where it doesn't take advantage of the very common popular places like Times Square or rather the Empire State Building or in that period the World Trade Center and, you know, really big iconic parts that it pops up in superhero films nowadays or in any film in New York like Times Square um, even though the new movie did that to a degree uh, yeah it was a set piece actually um, but in the original it really took advantage of spots that are you know tourist spots but even then like you said it made the firehouse a tourist spot a firehouse uh, that isn't supposed to be a tourist spot but it is because this one movie really, uh, really became, it really made it iconic, I think, because the idea that what is normally a building for emergency services is used by four, well, four people who, and their secretary who just basically, uh, it's an exterminator service. It's the equivalent to, you know, bug exterminators. You wouldn't think they'd need a fire hall, but they do. Which gives it a, a funny quirk to it in the end. 
All right, Chris. So, as promised, the goofs of Ghostbusters. What does that mean exactly? Well, uh, you had pointed out, and I, I had, I had kind of forgotten about this little uh, neglected recess of IMDb where people have put up uh, continuity goofs and errors and and things like that. Uh, yeah. And uh, so you had pointed out that it might be a good place for us to sort of delve into a few discussion topics. And, and sure enough, there are a lot of... Now, the continuity errors aside, because any big movie will have those, where it's the glasses in the left hand, and then it's in the right hand. Oh, my goodness. That happens because they probably shot those two scenes three or four weeks after one another. But, um, you know, the, the what people sometimes consider goofs or plot holes or uh, things, things that are actually pretty good discussion topics, because there are, are a couple in there that we've cherry-picked. Um, so I thought we would talk about those from the first movie and then maybe, you know, in the weeks to come, we can talk about Ghostbusters two and, and answer the call. Um, but, uh, let's see. So, so the ones I've picked out, Chris, if, if you'll permit me, uh, the first, first, so the first one I, uh, I picked out was near the beginning of the film. Vankman is conducting an experiment in which he says he is using negative reinforcement Two test subjects. Guess the symbol on the back of the card. Vankman administers electric shock for the wrong answers and gives praise for the correct answers. And of course he's cheating, but on with the content critique is what this person says. Psychologically and scientifically speaking, negative reinforcement is the subtraction of a variable in order to reinforce slash increase the frequency of a desired behavior. So what Vankman is actually engaging in is positive punishment, the addition of a variable slash stimulus, in this case electric shock, designed to decrease the frequency of a behavior in wrong answers. In behavioral psychology, negative and positive do not refer to the traditional ideas of good or bad, but rather the addition or subtraction of a variable in order to enhance or discourage a given behavior. So, <laughs> all right, there's there's a lot in here to unpack. Uh, the negative reinforcement comment that Vankman makes, I feel like we could possibly chalk this up to a... Uh, his methods being sloppy, his theories <laughs> being the worst possible common tripe, yeah. uh, being a poor scientist. Um, but also I, I think he's just sort of talking out of his ass there when he says that he's studying the effect of negative reinforcement on ESP ability. Uh, he, he's, he's not studying anything at this point. <laughs> All he wants is the date with Jennifer. So it doesn't matter what he says. He could just speak out some, techno jargon babble in there uh and and it would get the same result because the effect would still piss him off he would still get up and he would still leave doesn't matter what he says in that that point that's how i would chalk that up but i have a slight suspicion that there was probably a discussion in the writer's room that people wouldn't get it like the and and remember this is one of the first you know well, it's the first scene, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, no, you've got a scene, lot to the assume here counselor. with an audience. Yeah, but this is our first introduction to him, and there's a lot of comedy going on. I think that I, I, I would wouldn't be surprised if there was like a a, 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 a vigorous debate about whether or not you could say <laughs> positive reinforcement and then worry about in the movie going audience going, what does he mean positive? He's shocking him, right? Right, like, right. 
Well, and and knowing uh, Dan Aykroyd, obviously well versed in in parapsychology and psychology. Uh, Harold yeah. Ramis, who I understand was an intern at a, a psychological uh, facility at some point in his life as well. So I, I would I would be willing to bet that those guys had the correct terminology in there. And then somebody, be it Ivan Reitman or a studio head or somebody along the way was like, why is this yeah. called positive punishment? Because they're electric shocking the guy. That doesn't seem positive at all. I mean, punishment, yeah. yes, but uh, he's not. there's nothing positive about this. So um, yeah. that's that's a good point, too, that it, it may have been correct. And then in the notes process at some point uh, or, you know what, Bill Murray could have made the line up. Too. That's the other thing that like, we'd have to go back and look at all the production drafts, but maybe one of them said positive uh, punishment and Bill Murray changed it on the fly. That, that's another explanation too. So, Yeah, for all we know, there wasn't a debate and it was just Bill Murray going, well, this doesn't make much sense. He's shocking him and he just changed yeah. the line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I'm going to say negative reinforcement. Um, so yeah, so uh, is that a goof? Uh, sure, yes. I think technically uh for, for the doctorates out there yes that is a goof and they did it incorrectly but it's not like yeah. I, the one i put underneath it was that dana's building is located at central park in manhattan the police car in front of the building is from the 41st precinct which is in the south bronx at simpson street that car would not be in this area which i was like ah, that that's just a production goof that I don't know. Maybe they could only get a car from the 41st precinct or a logistical yeah. thing or... I mean, a lot of these happen that way, right? They're they're very broad with their use of the word goof and they do, like, they do have their these different captions before each one, like character error, revealing mistakes, things like that, where it's... And I, I don't... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not goofs as in, you know, we were sloppy uh, necessarily, but, but yeah, there's a lot, and there's a lot of that. And they, they do, a lot of those come up like, um, well, this is the first time I realized that this list is kind of incomplete because they talk about the, uh, the, the, the precinct that it came from was wrong. Um, they also had the one that I, over the summer was uh, talking about, which was there's, the EPA isn't divided into districts and there's no third district. Oh, right. New York is in the yeah, stuff like no that. Third district. Yeah. In the, in the midst of all this, uh, perfect example. It's not on there. I don't know how you add that. You know what? I'm lazy. We've talked about this. I do not want to do any more work. So if anybody out there knows how to add stuff, to the IMDB, please go do it. Uh, <laughs> one of the things they didn't have in there was, um, the, the, one of the councilmen going the walls of the 53rd precinct and he's right. pointing up at a map. That's not where the 53rd precinct is. Like it's yeah, that's the poor actor is just pointing to a map and he doesn't care what he's pointing at. Yeah, basically. It's, just, it's yeah. just one of those things. It just has to look good. And yeah, if somebody yeah. knows what reality is, it'll stand out. But it's like watching the X-Files with my friend Lynn, who's, you know, a, a, a scientist by training. And it was the worst watching them with her because Scully would always lean into like a, you know, a, a you know, one of the, you know, uh, bench top uh, microscopes to look at something and they'd cut to an electron microscope uh, scope picture and she'd be like, no, that's not how that equipment works. Like, ah! Anyway, it's, same thing here. all the movie magic. Yeah, but, um, but, so, so, but the next one that I pulled, this is the one that I was like, oh, is that true? Or, or can that be explained? Uh, that's the, the Ectomobile and the Sedgwick bust happening in the same day. That's that, that particular one. So here I'll, I'll read it and then we can talk about it. Uh, 
Um, based on editing and dialogue, Ray buys the Ecto-1 car earlier the same day as the Sedgwick job. Given Ray's list of repairs that the car needs and its initial appearance, it would take more than one day to get Ecto-1 to the painted and equipped state seen at the Sedgwick that night. So my question is this. Is that true? Is that the same night that he buys the car? <sighs> yeah, I didn't... I knew you were you you had it in the rundown that you were going to do this one, and I stopped and wondered myself. I was like, I always assumed there was just an implied passage of time. I thought so too. That so we see the car pull up. You can't park that here. Then do we cut to Dana with the eggs? Well, no. See, here's the here's the yeah. Here's what throws it off, and I'm not oh, sure. Oh no, no. Dana with the eggs is what leads into the you can't park that here. He, yeah. well, not a hundred percent because remember, she has the thing with the eggs. She comes to the fire hall and walks past Ray repairing the ecto, working on the ecto, and then the night of the Sedgwick one, whenever that is, it's them sitting around talking about the petty cash, uh, the petty cash. And he wanted the petty cash to take her out. And it wasn't necessarily, it may have been the same night that she came to visit them, but we then at least have that suggestion. So that's, so that's the thing there is, is, was that whole petty cash thing? I mean, the the point's not off. Even if you go three days later or whatever, Venkman goes, yeah, we don't want to lose her. We should take her out. I, 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 I don't know that you could repair and paint the Ecto in, you know, even three oh, or four no, days. Oh, that's but. like six weeks worth of work. But yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess. I didn't think it was the same day. So, well, here's here's where I think the, Im- the implied passage of time may happen. Dana says, will you please leave? No kiss. She yep. pushes him out the door. He walks yep. past Lewis. And then there's the cut to nighttime of them sitting around the table eating I feel like there's a passage of time in between yeah. those two because Venkman's in different clothes too at that point. He's yeah. not wearing that same suit and and that same cl- I mean he could have changed clothes obviously, but I feel like that's where the passage of time occurs. So based on the editing and diet, but he do- this person does say the dialogue. So at what point does the dialogue infer that this all happens in one day? Yes, yeah, I don't know. I don't I'm know wondering about that if he's, one. I don't know if he's trying to tie the showing up with the car, him repairing the car, and she shows up. Venkman goes to check out her apartment, and then that evening is talking to them is somehow, again, there's no dialogue that directly ties it all together, but I'm wondering yeah. if that's... Or is there a passage of time in between... The, the beater ectomobile pulling up and then Vankman walking in and talking to Janine with the no calls dialogue. Is there a passage of time there too? That might not well, yeah, all his... be in the same day either. You know, Ray could have pulled up with that car and then it could be a couple days later that, you know, Vankman walks in and asks Janine if there's any calls. Uh, forget about the bug eyes co- uh, comment. I'll be in my office. That could be another day too, right? Well, the other thing we have to, remember is is that he, Ray shows up with the car as they're still remember man with lumber walking to nowhere they're still busy repairing the inside of the fire hall like getting it ready to go when he 
Ray has it inside and is repairing the car and Venkman is like, you know, and he calls, there's no workman. Like it's done. It's been done for a while. So it's, yeah. that's not the same day. So definitely there's no within a day link between showing, you can't park that here and having it inside working on it. And then once again, there's nothing that specifically links the day he goes to check out her apartment with the evening of the, you know, the petty cash comment. The and magnificent feast. Yeah. So I kind of, so I, I, I would claim shenanigans on this one. I would claim shenanigans on the accuracy of this goof. I think, I think they've overplayed it. I think there's a fair point to be made where they go, wow, that car came together real fast. But I think they tried to play it up as if it's more than it, like it's even more exaggerated than it is. Yeah. I, it just, I mean, I'm sure it's not, I, I guess we could give credit to the goof that it's definitely not a month, month and a half worth of time that passes here. It's exactly. maybe a matter it's, of days, but, uh, you know, I don't think it's all uh, happening in the same day, but... Uh, hey, at movies, any rate. movies have moved along on less. So, <laughs> well, uh, so the last one here, uh, we'll bring this. We we have to come back to this. This feels like another sure. topic that we'll have to come back and revisit. But uh, the last I one, I want to get to mine. Mm. Oh, you got, oh you got you pulled more. Yeah, you didn't think I was going to get some. Oh, all right, we'll pull more because I wanted to save this one for last because okay, uh, you save this one for it's last. It's a good button. Okay, all right. What else? Uh, you got? Going back to the again this um, this is less so than the positive negative thing where it reads better to be well i'm not sure they point out um after the containment unit is shut down peck says that the ghost bus this is outside where they're all having their altercation and you know your mother and there's a scuffle yeah peck says that the ghostbusters are quote in criminal violation of the environmental protection act however there's no such act law or guideline <laughs> um whoever it was i guess nixon Nixon earlier on had said it. Yeah, Nixon set it all up. There's a National Environmental Policy Act. There's a Clean Water Act, and there's a Clean Air Act. And then there's a whole bunch of other smaller environmental policies, but uh. there's no Environmental Protection Act. But at the same time, I don't know if it's just that we've internalized it, or if it actually is. Environmental Protection Act does sound better. Like I can't imagine him saying these. You know, these men are in. Uh, criminal violation of the criminal violation of the National Environmental Policy Act. It's like, <laughs> yeah, woohoo! All right, bud. But yeah, that's uh, a little too bureaucratic, but but which is the I, only one that would apply too, because the and Clean does Air that Water adhere Act to the, like refineries and and things that are dumping pollution into the air? Because that's always how I took that line: is that it's these men are violating whatever the act is that protects our environment, our atmosphere from a gross negligence of whatever pollution or whatever harmful well, that's, toxins. That's just it. It feels like they kind of bundled it all up into an umbrella state like act that doesn't exist, but sounds better because there's the national environmental policy act, which would be a very broad and would probably cover quite a number of things. But then, as you say, this this industrial pollution would be under the Clean Water Act and mm. the Clean Air Act. Don't Clean go pumping air. your stuff into the air and don't go pumping your crap into the to the rivers. And Ghosts lakes. are horrible for the ozone layer. Yeah, very much so. Horrible. So, um, and then, interestingly, as a small note, uh, they didn't put it all together. Like, they... Um, they never mentioned the districts and regions thing, although this would have been the perfect place for it too. But they also point out that normally the states have representatives that would come check on a business. Mm. The EPA as a national group would not just 
I'm sorry, what's this? A new company has started in New York called the Ghostbusters? Well, I will go Send check them out. Send one of our agents, yes. Yeah, it's... But, again, for people who like to point out that this is a an interestingly... Uh, going back to the, the, the National Lampoon movie, for the, the kind of counterculture... Uh, yeah, um, not quite hippies that formed the comedy of the yeah, 80s. Yeah, the snobs it's, versus slobs culture that, yeah. It's a little bit of a, uh, uh, well, it could just come down to Dan Aykroyd's love of, you know, all things structured and bureaucratic <laughs> yes. and governmental. That uh, it, it's easier to, to wrap it all up as this national, you know, group that oversees the whole country rather than, you know, the city guy. Yeah, or it has more is. more weight, more to punch it. to it. Yeah. More punch it, to it, and and you know Peck saying that in the moment, uh, the Environmental Protection Protection Act. It sounds like it's got a lot of weight to it. That they've yes, th- there is some amendment uh, to well, the the Constitution that they are in violation of. That's you know, like, Congress mad at you. That's not yeah, that's exactly. not the city bylaw office is mad at you. This is the the power uh, of the pretty big. one of the one of the branches of uh, the government is yeah. really mad at you right now. You're you're not Homer Simpson uh, putting the silo of of pig slop into the river. This is something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll go. I got two more real quick. Uh, and one, yeah. one, I'm going to, the last one I'll, I'll, I'll I'm, I'm going to say no way to, but, um, okay. they had one where the, um, we see the, there's the, the montage of sliding, uh, publication covers. Yes. Yeah. And there's China a US, bust, yeah. USA Today cover. What I liked about this is that, uh, apparently this was not seen until the HD Blu-rays came out. Oh but yeah. The USA Today, uh, slides by it's dated October 8th which is roughly around the time the movie's supposed to be taking place. Yeah, even before the movie the came out, Yeah. Even, the movie came out in the summer of 84, but it's supposed to feel like it's happening in the fall uh, of, of whenever. So they have it, um, and the, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's one of the few things that puts a date on when the story's taking place. So USA Today cover says uh, October 8th, 1984, and it has on the cover an obituary for uh, William Powell. From The Thin Man, for anybody out there who likes The Thin Man. I know I do. You may not. Whatever. <laughs> I've never noticed that. In all these years, I've never noticed that. Well, yeah, it, it, it. It, it whizzes by and the resolution's not there. So they're yeah. like, yeah, Blu-ray, we can finally see it. The thing is, is they point out that he died on March 5th of 84, which is when all this... Um, post-production editing stuff and the, you yeah, know, they the would final, have taken the actual USA Today and doctored it They would it have taken and, it and used it as the, the, the huh. basis for the, the mock-up. Um, so I, 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 it's not a goof. I just thought that was an, given how many times we stared at this movie and we go, you know, there's the sound guy's foot, you know, there's right. the cable that works. The well, and I, I thought yeah. you were going to call out the one where it's, because the photo is them crossing the streams because it's a stock photo from production. Yeah. Uh, it I is thought in that's there, but yeah, that's out, one but we yeah. caught. This is one I've just never noticed before. Huh. It's like, yeah. I've never <laughs> seen, I've never really noticed that obituary, honestly. I'll have to yeah. take a look at that. And then there's another one. It's not, it's not on the goose page. They, I was curious because they have a, a section two called crazy credits. Yes. Yeah. And this honestly should have maybe shown up somewhere else, like a. But technically, it's stuff happening in the background while the first of the, the I don't know what you call it in in movie terms, but the the movie is still running and they do the principles. Their name pops up before right. you go to the go to the, the crawl. S- sort of above the line is what they call it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
in that bit, when they're leaving, they go, three priests can be seen giving the last rites to a chunk of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Now, I argue that maybe I haven't found it because there's a bit where they back up and I thought it was four. So I might not be looking at the right one or they miscounted. I don't know, but it's the most obvious bit where it looks like they're, ble- but the thing is, is, if you look throughout that whole end scene, there are priests wandering around blessing. Yeah. Like there's a priest blessing Bill Murray as he gets in the car. So. Right. Yeah. That's sort of the, and they've got the, the Krishna guys, uh, up singing yeah. on the, the fire hydrant and, because desperate, I desperately wish that. Yeah, because that's that's a chaotic scene, and we've talked about a number of different points too, like the the news guy getting on the wrong side of the car from the cameraman, and the cable <laughs> and the becomes cable. an issue. Like it is <laughs> yeah. chaos. They're like, we got to get this shot. We can't set it up too many times. Just and it's like priests do something, and I guess you know. Uh, so like, priests do the last rites, sure. They're just like, oh, I don't know, we'll do it here. Great, let's do that. So it would have been funny, but I, I'm i calling no way on that one. Um, I, yeah, I thought that they were just sort of doing a general blessing. Yes, it, you know, feels, uh, like, it feels like the, the way the camera has it set up, they're doing a blessing on the Ecto, which has got all of them in it and they're about to yeah, back up. Yeah, that's how I always interpreted but that. It, but because of the way the camera's framed, there is a chunk of rock and marshmallow between them and the car, visually, huh. like in the framing, that it just kind of looks like they're doing at it. They, in the, and I didn't, I didn't pull out my protractor or anything like that, but <laughs> if we went and looked at the, that, that, bit of, of street before they drove up. It's possible that you can easily kind of pick out, no, 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 this thing's like 20 feet forward of where they are. Had the camera been up looking down a bit, we could see that they have a clear line of sight to the car and it's the car. Yeah. Anyways, I'm well, I mean, good on, good on them it, for so. being nice to the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, I guess. I guess. Yeah. But the interesting part is, um, before you get to your last one, I, I think we should revisit it. I like the idea of revisiting it because... I haven't looked at it in years. Um, I, I know there's sites that are now more specifically about Easter eggs and goofs, and I think I may go looking to see what they say, how much overlap, and maybe they have some of this other stuff we talked about. But what I'm interested in is stuff is changed. There's several listings in there where somebody pointed something out and then somebody else came along and said, nuh-uh, that's actually, that's actually the way it is, or there's a real reason why they did this, and so it's not a goof like you think it is. And there are goofs that I remember from way back when that just, they've been wiped out. They got taken out. Like, uh, for the longest time, people thought the the Coke cans in Dana's fridge were uh, continuity error. And it turns <laughs> out there's just two cans that you see, you only see one because the over-the-shoulder shot, the head is blocking the, the right. near, nearer can. So people are like, ah, it can't well, keep but rotating. the Coke cans are, that's, I mean, the prominently displayed Diet Coke can that's next yeah. to Ray's uh, workbench that, like, nobody would put a Coke can there, but, you know. You but had for to the longest the- time, they and people actually did argue that, well, it's quite obviously about product placement. It's like, well, you're right, it is about product placement, but they didn't move it to accomplish this, there's actually two cans and we can't see the, yeah. I mean, let's, let's be honest here. I still live in a world where I argue every chance I get that no, you can't see her nipple. And <laughs> no, I was, no, I was happy can't. to see it wasn't in the list. So, yeah. hooray. Uh, yeah, that, that's a long, 
uh, urban myth, urban legend. But uh, yeah, right, seven seven minutes. Do yours. So, all right, we, all right, we got it. We can do this. So the very last one here uh, that I thought we would end on, and we we can come back and we'll revisit this. We'll we'll throw Ghostbusters two into the mix, and we'll we'll dedicate Hell some yeah. more time to it. But uh, so this particular one says that the temple explosion clearly shows Stay Puft exploding out and away from the roof. So how did the guys on the roof get covered in marshmallow? Well, in response to that one, I would suggest that you listen to our last episode where we talk about that maybe the guys didn't actually survive that explosion in the first place. And maybe the marshmallow is all just a ruse. Because, again, that comical explosion, that ridiculous nuclear mushroom cloud that comes off of the temple, there's no way that those guys survived. So if you're (laughs) concerned about how the marshmallow got on them, I think you're thinking about the wrong thing in that particular instance. That's, that's, I don't know that that's a goof so much as like a, really? Let me just raise my eyebrow about that particular one. Uh, I would... I would make a small argument that because the where the gateway doors are is now an em- empty, you can see through to the other side, like it blows it out. Right, yeah. I think you could make a small argument. This is a very thin thread to hang everything on, but a small argument to be made that the uh, when they reverse the doors and the whole thing, you know, explodes and the, the portal changes and all that – Especially when all of a sudden there's a, 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 you know, that giant place in the middle there under the temple that is now in our space rather than in their space. Uh, maybe slight bit of vacuum. Yeah, if the door know, swings both bit. ways, maybe some sucked in yeah. as the door was closing or something. Yeah. If but. you're, you're going to accept that they somehow survived this amazing explosion which forget the marshmallow man those giant wooden doors exploding outwards i think everybody's dead as you say but um if you accept that yeah i think there's room to say that once that whole dimensional correction took place you know he's kind of fried a little bit a little bit maybe yeah. one of his maybe one of his hands that were sitting on the ledge you know got Just a, yeah or a, a little tiny bit, bit was of left his head behind or, or something yeah, anyway. stuck back in and they there you go. Done. After our discussion last week, they're dead. That's how they're I'm dead. looking at it. But anyway. <laughs> well, there's a way to start a fight. Don't anyway. wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You do? And Twitter accounts. Friends is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroads. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just wanna get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702 GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. All right, Chris. So our time is limited here uh, for uh-huh. the closing of the show. Uh-huh. Uh, what uh, what do you got in time uh, in terms of uh, final thoughts here? Uh, my final thought is, <coughs> oh, pardon, oh, pardon me. Let me get you a little chloroseptic <coughs> there. Clean that up. Uh, 
I did have a tickle earlier today. I hope I'm not getting sick. Flu season. It's no joke. <laughs> That's the final <sighs> thought again here. Yeah. No, my final thought is... Um, uh, I uh, After watching... Uh, after the movie that we were talking about earlier there... Feudal and Stupid, stupid Gesture. Stupid, yeah. Feudal and yeah. Stupid Gesture. Or Stupid and Feudal Gesture. I always get it backwards. Um, I... Uh, there was a book. It might have been an SNL book or something. And it came with a CD. This was years ago. And it had samplings of the National Lampoon Radio Hour on it. Oh, and, yeah. It was a Second after, City book. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one. And after I watched this uh, movie, I went, I haven't listened to it in years. And I'm like, are these things available? Like, were they were they hidden? That's why they were a special thing in this book or what? And I went and I searched on uh, iTunes. All the National Lampoon albums some of them are the newer crews and all that, and I'm not that interested. But there's three or four that are in the in that era, and they're amazing. Oh, they're, if you yeah, like they're Saturday really Night Live good. and all, they're really good. Uh, I forget that Chevy Chase is is a musical guy, but he's got one of them called Colorado, where he does this amazing, you know, blues country spoof song, and it's him singing and playing like. But he never, he never, he never flexes that muscle much, except for yeah. you know, in his movies, he eventually tinkles out a piano for a little bit. But you forget he's, you know, actually, he's actually quite got a little bit of talent. Yeah. My only problem is it's oh, and it's got the Mister Roberts neighborhood with Christopher Guest <laughs> and Bill Murray, All right? Uh, which is amazing. <laughs> um, and the only thing I haven't found yet is Christopher Guest uh, doing the uh, the the radio reading of. Dostoevsky's the uh, the idiot was it Dostoevsky? I think so. <laughs> yeah. And now our performance of the idiot. And there's a pause. Of Bill Murray, look out! There's a lobster <laughs> on the loose. <laughs> Get some butter. <laughs> ah! <laughs> it's my favorite, and so far I haven't found it out of the album. So I'm going to oh, keep hunting. But my final thought is, if you like that comedy, these are gems, and I don't think people have heard them, if ever in years so oh, go yeah. find them and, and a lot of classic SNL sketches did come out of those uh, like the the Michael O'Donohue thing that he does in the movie is is there and also one of his classic you know he's up on home base and he does that in SNL it's, it's awesome go check those we've actually played yeah. in one of our mixtapes we did the stereophonic uh, National Lampoon thing where it was like yeah. out of this ear you will now hear a tone at blah 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 decibels that's that's from the National Lampoon uh albums but uh yeah, yeah. One, of, one of my one of my early proton charging bumpers was <laughs> bill murray from that particular uh the idiot sketch going ha <laughs> like it's <you're> just <laughs> ah, it's great stuff it's still good um all right well uh until next week yeah we'll, we'll keep going with some goofs we'll we've got a lot we've got the underappreciated stuff that we had the voicemail from uh we've got a yeah. lot of these discussion points which are really fun now to keep exploring so uh we will just keep delving into those man that's this is a lot of fun uh i feel like we've uncovered a whole new stone here for the podcast which i love so uh (laughs) until until that time where we speak again this is troy benjamin that's chris stewart we'll see you on the other side thanks for joining the ghostbusters interdimensional crossrip visit us at protoncharging.com ghostbustershq.net and stillplayingwithtoys.net Oh, you're kidding me. Oh, great. What was the other one? Bassmasters. It's a fishing show. Everything you're doing is bad. You truly scare me. They want you to love it. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird.